You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. Good morning, Real Life family. I'm so glad to be here and get to be a part of uh, the sermon series and what God's doing. My name is JT Manning, and I do work with the uh, media and some of the technology, website, uh, social media odds and ends, and I'm uh, I'm just excited that I get to be a part of the sermon series as we continue to work our way through the Sermon on the Mount. Um, this morning, we're going to have a lot of topics as we kind of look at this, this chunk of the sermon. This is the you have heard it said portion. And maybe one of the topics connects directly to you and you're like, this is my topic. If we reach that topic, circle it, highlight it, whatever it is you need to do, make sure you make notes about what God is telling you about that topic and what you're hearing. Because I... There's so many topics, it's hard to have all of them be like, oh, this is my topic, and this, and this, and this. But they're all relevant, and they're all true. And I love Jesus' words on them. Just to kind of review where we've been and where we're at, we're, we're in the Sermon on the Mount, and the Sermon on the Mount happens in Capernaum on top of this big hill. And Jesus is standing there, and he's on top of the hill, and he's looking down at all these people, and he sees them, and he's like, we have got to take care of these people. And to do that, he turns to his disciples and he says, all right, gang, this is what we're going to do. And Marty and Emmy talked in the first week about uh, the blessed, the, the people that the kingdom is incomplete without, uh, the Beatitudes, if you will, and about how we have to have them in the kingdom. And then Aaron told us about how we, we need to go to, to the people and be salt, that we have value, that we need to show them that they are salt and they have value. And we need to be light and show them where God is working, the light of the, in their lives. And then last week, Josh said, reminded us of the, of the law, that Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And that's what he now walks through piece by piece as we, we look at all these chunks of what Jesus had to teach about those. So we're going to go ahead and pick up in Matthew 5. It's going to be this. You have heard that it was said. You have heard that it was said. I know I have. Obviously, Jesus' disciples had because they had those 613 laws that Josh talked about last week. And then they added 6,000 more. So they've heard these laws. They've heard them. They have them memorized. They are a part of their inner core. And Jesus says, you have heard that it was said long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Jesus is saying inside of the 613 laws, there's a core. We're not adding, there's a core. There's something in the middle. There's a heart behind it. And the heart behind it is anger. Anger leads to objectification. In objectification, you do something like this. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka is answerable to the court. Anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. So anger leads to objectification, and you start calling people names. And then as you're calling them names, you're calling them the names of their worst moments. Eventually, they, they're no longer this three-dimensional human being. They're just a one-dimensional bad attribute, and you call them the name, and that's all they become. 
And that's what leads to anger. <clears throat> the uh, wise theologian Yoda said, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. <laughs> because it's a step-by-step -step process. It doesn't just start at murder. It starts with anger. And fortunately, I grew up in a household where I was told I'm fairly Irish, a strong Irish heritage. As if to prove it, I have a wonderful temper. And so I've had to try and figure out what do I do to work through my temper? Because it isn't as easy as stop it. And the more I would just try and stop it and not be angry, the harder it was to not measure anything else and just measure whether or not I'm angry. But what has set me free, what I might offer that might set you free, is when I'm focused on bringing other people joy. When I am so focused on filling myself with joy that I then can take it to other people and offer them joy and bring them happiness and joy. Because I don't have room in my life anymore for anger. If I'm so focused on joy, anger just starts to dissipate. And that started changing my home. But, it, but Jesus doesn't stop there when he's talking about anger. He goes on. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. So the equivalent today would be that if we here, we're all having our Sunday morning service, and one person remembered, oh, I definitely offended somebody. Then we would stop the entire service so that you can get up, go out, go make it right, and then come back. We would then celebrate that you made it right because you're that important and it is that important to have your relationships right with other people. Because Jesus says, you shouldn't get angry, but sometimes you're going to and you're going to offend people. Go and make it right. And Thomas Jefferson had a great quote about that. He said, it is better to eat crow while it is young and tender than old I mean, if Thomas Jefferson said it, <clears throat> and how true that is, so that we would prioritize you, and then you would get back, and we would resume the service, and you would have a better relationship. But not everybody's going to make it right, which is what Jesus talks about here. Settle matters quickly with your adversary, who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. So even though we will offend people and we will try and make it right, we keep trying to make it right. We will keep trying to make it right over and over and over again. And we still might end up going to court. But I don't know about you, but I would much rather stand in court and say to the judge, I am still trying to make this right. I am still trying to make this right than anything else. Because I would rather have that judge's judgment than anything else. Because at that point, I know that I've tried to make it right over and over and over again because they're worth it. But maybe anger isn't your thing and there's something else that we need to talk about. 
Fortunately, Jesus has more topics for us. You have heard that it was said, again, we're clarifying the heart of the law, not the actual law. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her, with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. So, fortunately, as a red-blooded 21st century young man, I get to keep both hands and both eyes despite that, yes, I've struggled with this. But Jesus doesn't define me by that. And again, it's not about not doing this. It's not about measuring whether or not I can just stop it, just stop it, just stop it. What it is about is if I'm going to take the time and intentionally fill myself with so much love for my wife that there isn't room for lust anymore. Choosing my wife first, choosing to love her first. And some days, that's like picking up a bucket, walking over to a faucet, turning the faucet on, it's moments before my bucket is completely full, which is great. I love those days, let me tell you. Other days, is like walking over to a drippy sink with my ladle and getting drop by drop by drop. And I choose to do it anyways, because those days are just as important. And either way, my focus has to be on loving her well. Otherwise, there's room for lust, and it will find its way in. It's not hard. There's plenty of it out there. And so over and over again, I choose to do the work, not because it's easy, but because Jesus says that it starts in the head before it gets to the bed. But he has more to say about divorce. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So in Jewish culture, they had the wide spectrum, just like we do today, of some people saying, no divorce ever, other people saying, it's Tuesday, and write a letter of divorce, and you'll be fine. And Jesus says, divorce isn't an option. It's a last resort. Which is exactly what happened in my life when my dad said, I'm done, packed his bags, and left. And as he left, he left a path of financial, emotional, physical, relational destruction all the way across the country. Because we don't get to choose who divorce hurts, but it always hurts, and it hurts more people than we want it to. Which is why my mom was then left with the choice of what to do. And for 20-some-odd years of her life, as their marriage worked out, Divorce wasn't ever an option. But finally, it became a last resort, and she had no other choice. And then I got to deal with the anger and the hurt and the pain in my life for years after that. 
because you don't get to choose who it hurts, and you don't get to choose where the fingers go. And it all started back with lust. So maybe that's not the topic for you. Maybe this is your topic. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Let's go. Yep. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So, again, in context, they had set up this multi-level system of oaths that they could make. They could promise at, like, level one. And, but if they made a level two promise and that conflicted with a level one promise, then they'd have to do number two. And then they had threes and fours and fives, and they had this whole system set up. And so they may or may not have to do something based on where that promise fell in the system. Fortunately, today, I'm so different as I'm sure you're so different. What we do instead is somebody comes to you because they're moving and says, hey, will you help move? And immediately what you're thinking in your head is, no, no, no. But instead, if you're anything like me, what you probably say is something to the effect of, Maybe let me check my calendar. <laughs> or somebody comes to you and says, hey, can you help me with some yard work? And again, what you're thinking is no, no, no. But what comes out of your mouth is maybe let me check with my wife if I'm free that day. But Jesus says, say yes or say no. Be so focused on prioritizing the people that are the blesseds that when someone comes and asks you for help, you know if you can say yes or say no because your priorities are clear. And then you say yes and you follow through because that looks different all of a sudden. Somebody who actually follows through. Think about it. And it also looks pretty different when somebody comes to you and asks for help, but you know your priorities, and you say no. But then you just said no to somebody in a loving way, and that's also mind-blowing because that means you actually have boundaries and you're a healthy person, and that's really, really attractive to other people. That's something people want to be friends with, someone who has good boundaries and good priority structures. So when someone asks you, and you have an answer, it can be yes, and it can be no, and those are healthy. Just follow through. So maybe boundaries and priorities aren't, isn't your issue. Well, how about this? You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. All right. This is not about abuse, period. That's not healthy in a relationship. And if you are the victim of abuse, write it on a card. Talk to someone. We have people in this church who want to partner with you and walk with you to help you find a healthy relationship. 
that doesn't involve abuse. What this is talking about is not how you're not full of anger. Remember, we started off with anger, and we don't have anger in our lives, and you're traveling through life, and then someone hurts you. And when they hurt you, you don't hurt them back because you don't have anger. You're not boiling over with anger. You know that they're your priority. You know that they're important. So instead, when they hurt you, you step back and you say, is everything okay? Are you okay? You just hurt me. Because what we know is that when someone hurts you, they're generally a hurting person. Hurting people are generally going to hurt other people, intentionally, unintentionally. And so when they come to you and they hurt you and you step back and you say, are you okay? You now have a voice in their life. You now get to walk alongside them and help them heal. And you get to help them become a whole person. And as you're walking alongside them, they will hurt you again. But you're not boiling over with anger, so you can keep helping them. And you can show them how to continue to be a whole healing person that isn't hurting other people. And now you have a new friend that is a whole healed person because you and God worked in their life and stuck with them through it. Which is what Jesus goes on to say. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If someone's suing you and you're trying to make it right and they just won't let it happen, odds are they're a hurting person and they need you to just keep walking with them. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. In other words, there's this whole teaching here, but if an unhealthy leadership structure comes to you and they have unreasonable requests based on what's going on, you're healthy and you're not angry, so you're able to stand with them and you're able to exceed expectations when they put unreasonable expectations on you. And that starts to look pretty different because other people will see how you're exceeding expectations despite knowing that they're unreasonable. And then Jesus continues, give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow. So if someone's asking you for something, odds are they're in need and they need someone to walk alongside them. If somebody's borrowing money from you, odds are they don't have enough money themselves. So when you loan them the money, you can then walk alongside them and help them restore their finances, which changes their lives, the lives of their children, and your life too, because now you have another whole friend. And Jesus continues. And this one's fun. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. We're all on the same playing field. The sun rises on us, whether we're just or unjust. And he sends his rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you're a farmer, if it rains on your field, it's raining on your field whether you're a good farmer or a bad farmer. When the economy's up, it's up for the good and the not so good. We're all on the same playing field. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? 
if you're good to your friends, how does that look any different from anybody else? Are not even the tax, tax collectors doing that? Those dirty, rotten tax collectors. Even they are good to their friends. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Everybody's already good to their friends. Do not even the pagans do that? We all know they're just worshiping stones, rocks, water. It's not real, but even they're good to their friends. So what looks different? This easy statement. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. To which I would argue Jesus is actually pulling from Leviticus and quoting something very different, quoting something more like this. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Which is very different than getting 100% on a test. It's not about getting the test perfect. It's about knowing what it is that you need to do to make changes. Because how different do you look when all of a sudden you're not full of anger, you're full of joy, and you're bringing joy to other people? That starts to look pretty different. How different do you look when, whenever you talk about your spouse, you can't stop talking about the good things? How different does it look to say yes and actually follow through or say no in a healthy way? How different does it look that when you're hurt by someone, you don't hold on to the hurt, you aim for the healing? And what it looks like to be set apart is this picture. It's a Jewish tassel where it's the white intertwined with the blue, and the blue cord is the set-apart cord. It's what it means to be holy. And the blue and the white are all part of the same, same knot. It's all tied together. It's all part of the same world. But it's different. It looks different. It chooses to be different, not the exact same as the rest of it. And right now we get to be this big meeting of blue cords talking about what it means to be holy and set apart and how to live our lives according to these things. But then we walk out the front door and now we are a blue cord in a white world and it is important to bring the holiness and shine light in, these, in other people's lives to remind them that they are valuable. The way that Jesus did that is he used at the Last Supper and instituted communion. And right now our servers are going to go back and collect the trays and pass them out. And we have an open table for anyone who calls Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior. We would invite you to take and hold on to the elements as we uh, kind of work through some questions and implications. The first implication we're going to look, like, look at is who is with you as you are trying to improve? Because remember, Jesus is standing on top of that big hill and there are all these people in front of him and he doesn't talk to them. He turns to the people that are going to have to do the work and he says, remember these people, remember these things. This is what it looks like to fulfill the law.
And there's two parts to this. Part one being, you've already been set free. One of our topics today, you've already been set free from in your life because of your experiences, because of the way you've worked on it, the way you've engaged with it. You've been set free. And now you get to take that and use that and walk alongside someone else. Because how much easier would it have been if for you if you had a guide walk through it with you? How much easier is it for me when I have friends that look at me and say, you have not said a good thing about anything all week. What is going on? When I have friends that look at me and say, JT, you haven't said anything good about your wife this week. What is going on? That changes me. When I have those people that know me well enough to speak into my life and try and make a difference. Or you might be on the other side of this, where there was one of these topics, you looked at it and you circle it and you're still circling it because the reality is you feel oppressed and, and overtaken by it. And you need somebody to come walk alongside you, whether they've already been through it or not. You need them to walk alongside you so that they can engage you and help you and call you out. And when they see your warning signs, they say, hey, I'm seeing some of your warning signs. What's going on? And maybe you have that name already or maybe you need that name. If you have someone that you know you can talk to, please go talk to them. Text them, call them, whatever it is you need to do right now, just do it. But if you don't have that name, then please feel free to write on the connection card that Sarah was up here talking about and leave it in the box because we want to help you and we want to help you find relationships and freedom from whatever it is, whatever your topic was, we want to help you. Because we know that even the heroes need a helper. Robin still had Batman. Luke still had Yoda. And then we have our second implication. How are you being holy as the Lord our God is holy? What is your topic? Which of these is the thing that is you're going to focus on to help you be the blue cord to the white world. Is it that you need to get your priorities in line because they've gotten so far out of whack and you just don't know what to do? You're showing up to everything except for what you actually commit to. None of your friends ask you for help because you say yes and never show up. Or, or worse, you say, maybe. Which topic is yours? And how are you using it to be holy? Because we can't do it alone. We do need the help. And Jesus gave us these elements because when we follow these, when we work through these, when we're growing and improving ourselves, we look different. We look set apart and we look holy. And that's what Jesus did at the Last Supper he gave us these elements. And he said, this is how I'm setting you apart as my followers. And at first he gave us the bread. 
saying, take and eat, this is my body, let's eat. And then he also took the cup and he said, drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of my covenant. Lord God, I lift up my family, my brothers and my sisters here, Lord God, that you would, you would take us all out into the world. And as we go, you would remind us what it means to be holy and settled apart. That you would set real people in our lives to help us work through our topic. To help us process through the hurt and the pain. To help us process through the changes we need to make in our lives. That you would help us see those people, know their names and see their faces and make a difference today. We thank you for your son who came and lived a life worth living. That we would model our lives after his and for his death, burial, and resurrection that give us the opportunity to worship together this morning. And in his name we pray, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Real Life. If you'd like more information on who we are, what's happening in our church, and how you can get involved, visit us on Facebook and Twitter, and visit our website, liferotp.com.